get into some word. Ready for it? If you've been with us, you know where to go. <laughs> Our starting point is 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I've been teaching this series called Fight Training. And uh, there's more. Come on. I hope you've learned some good fighting skills over the last nine rounds. You're still standing or sitting. So you haven't been knocked out yet. In one sense, that's a celebration for all of us. I mean, seriously, uh, if you wonder, do I have any chance in this life? Well, check your heart. Is it still beating? You can win. You can still overcome. Say, I've been beat up in life. Well, you're still alive, so you can believe God. You can have faith in God. Amen. 1 Timothy 6.12 reads, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So we're called to this. We're called to lay hold of life. We're called to fight the good fight of faith. So we just simply have to learn how to do it. And uh, this fight we're speaking of, uh, let me, re- me remind you, it's not a, a, a mental fight, a physical fight. It is, a, it is about believing. Believing is key. Not just whether you believe or not. We all believe something. But what do we believe? What specifically do you believe about God, about specific areas of your relationship with him? What do you believe about his various promises? Okay, it is in the specifics that we really learn how to land a punch. I believe, fill in the blank. I believe, and don't be too generic. You can say I believe in God, that's fine, but that's not gonna be real helpful when it comes to the specifics of your life. What do you believe about your health, your relationships? What do you believe about his plan for your life, his purpose? What do you believe about your finances? What, what do you, come on, what do you believe about who you are in him? There's so many valuable things that we must be right about. So the war that we're in is really for our hearts, okay? Why do I say it's for our heart? Because with the heart, one believes, all right? Not the physical heart, but with the heart, one believes. That's where there's a battle for your beliefs, there's a battle for what you believe. You know, Proverbs uh, chapter 4 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your what? Keep your body. <laughs> keep your, 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 your pets in the yard. Keep, keep your money secure. Keep your heart. Uh, that's where everything comes from. The issues of life flow out of that. Because of that, that's our focus. And again, when you come into the New Testament, you find with the heart one believes. So I could say my primary uh, attention and focus of keeping something on track in my life is to keep my beliefs on track. What do I believe now? What do I believe in this situation? Uh, When opposition comes our way, what do I believe now? What do I believe God wants me to do? How should I react to this? How, How should I respond? Hallelujah. The battle is really over truth, okay? The enemy wants to keep truth away from us. The Spirit of God is working and has done many things so that truth can be implanted in our hearts. Truth makes us free, right? 
And so he sends teachers like myself and, uh, and many others. He gives us the word. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and our guide. God is working constantly to get truth into us because that's where our freedom lies. Amen. Uh, you, you might want to go back and listen again to our, uh, the spontaneous, really, teaching that came out on Wednesday about love and truth. It'll help you tremendously to stay in, in the right place. But again, there's a battle over truth. You can see it in the physical world. Uh, you know, we've been hearing a lot over the last few years about fake news. All right, why? Because it's real. <laughs> real fake. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's a real thing. Why? There's a battle over what we believe. What we believe to be true, what we believe to be right. We're dealing with, when we talk about a faith fight, feelings versus reality, spiritual reality, fact, okay? We're, we're talking the physical world versus the spiritual world, and this is, these are some of the areas we have to navigate and, and, and know what the truth is. Praise God. So even when we're talking about just physical reality, say, well, if I see it, it's true. Well, that doesn't mean it's permanent, though. Just because something is... Well, I've got a, you know, I, I, I've got a doctor's report that says X, Y, and Z, and it's not good. That's real. I can see it. You want me just to deny that? No, I want you to, de- to deny its, its permanency. We're not saying that it's not really what they, shot, they showed on the scan. We're just saying it doesn't have the right to stay. It doesn't have the right to be the final word. Who's that up to? It, well, it's up to us. To say, I'm choosing God's word over that, over what I see and feel. Okay? This is the faith fight now. This is how, this thing, this is how these things work. Uh, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 reads, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. So you can look at things that you can't see. You know how to do that? Giddy up if you don't. Got to start staring at invisible stuff. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So if you see it, it can change. That's what he's saying. If you see it, if you can see it, it's not permanent. It's the unseen realm. That is the eternal realm. So that's why we've got to put our focus on the unseen. That's a faith fight right there. That's living the life of, of faith. Praise God. And so it's about focus. You know, just like, you know, referencing, uh, you know, fake news and stuff. Uh, just like sometimes uh, in our world, uh, media twists truth by doing this, by t- pointing their camera at something in particular and avoiding everything else. It's easy for them to do. So someone's making a choice whenever you see stories go public or go you know, viral, whatever, they chose to go, let's look at this and let's make the whole world look at this in, as opposed to something else. So what do we think? This is life. This is what's happening in the world. This is reality. Well, but that's, all, that's only one little piece. What makes, it, what makes it deceptive is all the things that are being ignored. Everybody with me? See, we could do that with the word. And that's one of the ways we get deceived is we find the word and we just look in this little area. But there's a whole bunch of other things. You might be looking at something that's true, you might, but it might be that you're, you're misunderstanding it because of the things around it. 
take the lens out, you know, back up, hit the minus button. Let's see the big picture. Let's look around. I'm talking, I'm talking the whole of God's word. Now, I'm not saying by that that we, should, that we should study all scriptures equally. I'm not saying that every verse in the Bible equally applies to all of us at all times. That's not true. Otherwise, I mean, how, how, many, how much time do you spend in Ezra? <laughs> Lamentations. I'm not saying don't. It's all there. It's all for us, all for our benefit. But you're probably going to get more out of Ephesians probably going to get more out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know. There are things that are more specific. I'm not saying that we should get equal attention to everything, uh, but we need to have the discernment to know where to put our focus. Because you can, you can point your, your faith, if you will, your eyes at specific areas of the revelation of truth, and if you do, that will become real to you it will be made manifest in you. But someone else will not enjoy a victory or a blessing from God in a certain area, not because God is withholding it or because they're somehow, you know, deficient or unworthy. It's just because they're, they're focused on something else. They're looking something else, and so they just don't even know about it. They don't see it. They're not focused on it. And we need to have the wisdom, the discernment to say, these are the scriptures I should focus on. It's like when someone becomes, when someone gets saved, how many know, and some of you, that's you, you just recently received the Lord and praise God, and some of you will today. But we're not going to tell you, read the Bible, but you know, it's, just, it's just a book, so start at the beginning. I mean, no, we, we, we never, I don't mean to be harmed by it. But we never tell people, like a regular book, start at the beginning. Read from beginning to end. Why? Because once you know that this, what type of book this is, you know Genesis isn't the most important book for a new believer. Amen. They'd, be, they'd get more out of passages in the New Testament, for example. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're battling some kind of financial struggle... There are verses that will help. Some verses will help you more than others. Amen. You should read them. <laughs> you should look for them. You should search diligently for them. Amen. Yeah. If you're having health problems or marital problems or problems with your kiddos, uh, there are certain verses that will help you more than others. Amen. You might as well focus in on them. On. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 10. Say Why? Well, because I have discerned this is a good place to be today. <laughs> I have prayed and sought the Lord and believe this will be helpful in our fight training. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 10. Uh, notice with me over here in verse 6. Romans 10, 6. But the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Now, just hold on for a moment there. Note that language, righteousness of faith, is contrasting righteousness from the law or of law. You read the whole context of the the passages. There's righteousness of the law and there's righteousness of faith. Righteousness of the law demands perfect obedience. It demands that you do everything right. That's the only way to be righteous under the law. Okay, 
righteousness of faith, it requires acceptance of Christ's sacrifice as sufficient payment for our sin. That's how you get righteous by faith. You believe in what he did on your behalf. All right, let's go on. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. This is basically saying that the work of Christ, his coming, his dying, his resurrection, is already finished. It's already complete. It is, there's no need for us to do anything else. There's no need really for him to do anything else. This, he's saying salvation and righteousness is not far from us. It's right here. All right, because he goes on to say in verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. So the word or the message of Christ's finished work is present and complete. Our only need is, is to speak this truth. God doesn't have to do more. We don't have to fix something, earn something, uh, repair something. No, we need to acknowledge this is a reality. He has already done what he has done, and it is ever present before me. My only need now is to get that word in my heart and in my mouth. That almost sounds too simplistic, but it's because Jesus did the heavy lifting. He conquered death. He's the one who gave us victory. Our job is to make sure that his victory, his completed work is in our hearts and in our mouths. Hallelujah. He's, this scripture actually is a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 30. And, uh, and it was the same thing there. The, the message to them was the law is not distant. The law is not far from you. It's right here. So uh, go ahead and act on it. That was under the law. Paul uses that same scripture from, from that, that time. And he said, this is also now true about the gospel. Our job is just to acknowledge it and act. We acknowledge that it's so. We acknowledge that it's done. We acknowledge that it's near us in our heart and mouth, and we simply act. If you keep on reading, you find out how to get saved. And how do you get saved? Heart and mouth. You believe the right thing, and you say the right thing. You believe the right thing, you say the right thing, it ends up in eternal life. You believe the right thing, say the right thing, it ends up in healing. You believe the right thing, say the right thing, it ends up in God's provision. All the work that Jesus provided, all the blessings that he came to give us are accessed by such a simple formula, if you will. He said, don't say anything else. Don't say it can't be. It won't be. It has something else has to happen. No, it's near you, in your heart and in your mouth. Amen, amen, amen. amen. See, this is why another way to say this uh, faith fight that we're learning is to, is to say we fight with the word. 
We fight with God's word. I don't even have to come up with something new. I don't have to be super articulate or brilliant or be able to lay out a, you know, a good statement. I just need to borrow what's already written. And if I'll use God's word, I will overcome. It's about words going in to our heart. It's about those same words then going out of our mouths. That's how you win a faith fight. Amen. And then if you add last week's message to it, you do that continually. Okay. See, what one of the problems we, we have is, is we'll have, for example, a good service like this. And we'll make a connection with God and we'll pray and things will happen and, uh, and, you know, really positive stuff, really right things. But by the time someone gets out into the corridor out here or gets out into the lobby or the parking lot, they're talking about their problem again. See, we come in here and talk faith, 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 faith. And because I'm doing the speaking, you're doing the listening, I'm going to guide the conversation. <laughs> and I get to say positive things. Faith, 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 belief, faith, God is good, God is good. He's, you know, I, I, get to, I get to say all this. But the problem is that there's a disconnect between what happens in here, what we're singing, what we're saying, what we're praying. And then we go out and immediately start, start talking about our problems. That's, that's how you lose the faith fight. And watch it, because sometimes it happens, we're so accustomed to it, we're so entrenched in that mentality, that we don't even know we're doing it. And before you know it, someone's talking about their problem. Problem talk is not faith talk. Or you could say it's faith in the problem. But we're giving voice to negativity. We're giving, we're giving creative power to the enemy's work instead of keeping praise on our lips, and instead of keeping God's word in our mouth. Say, well, I got real problems. That's why we're teaching. We're not teaching because no one has any issues. We're teaching because people do have issues. And the way that we, st- we don't perpetuate the issue is by interrupting it with God's thoughts. And saying his word in my heart, in my mouth. I'm going to say it here. I'm going to say it when I leave. I'm going to say it in the pickup truck on the way home. Because you you know from Scripture, Jesus taught this in Mark chapter 4, that the enemy comes to steal the word immediately. It's Satan's strategy to, one, to keep this, all this away from us, keep us out of this, turn on the TV, do that instead, then, you know, we've lost, he's won. But if we expose ourselves to rich word from heaven, he's coming after it quick. Quick, he's coming after it. Why? Because if it gets lodged within your being. It it settles within your heart and it becomes your way of speaking and thinking. His days of ruling your life are over. Your faith will compel you to victory every time. So he's coming. It might happen before you leave. It'll for sure happen right when you leave. Someone will gripe at you. Some, you know, little issue here might be someone on the road, might be the kids, might be something goes wrong, or you might go to a restaurant and someone's an idiot, (laughs) right? Or makes you wait too long. Something to annoy you. Why? To get complaining in your mouth, to get negativism, to get us focused on sight and, and, and the flesh world, to get us immediately talking about something that's happening in the world. That's a problem. Anything to get God's word out of our mouth. God's word in our heart and in our mouth puts us over the top. This is God's New Testament 
way of bringing victory to his church. But it doesn't happen independent of us. Hallelujah. See, see, God's words create vision inside of us. When you hear them, they're supposed to paint a picture. A picture of what he wants. A picture of his plan. And it's not a negative thing. It's something that we all want. But it's, it, 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 it gives us a, a picture of a brighter tomorrow. That's called hope in the, in the word of God. All right. It gives us expectation of better things to come. The wrong words will paint a picture of destruction and darkness. The right words produce hope. We've all seen this sometimes with the, with the tender, fertile heart of a young child. When negative words are sown into that heart, it paints a picture for them that can be quite destructive. Sometimes hard to unsee for many years. At the same time, positive words spoken into the heart of a child can paint a vision for them, give them a picture of, of many good things to come in their life. They're much more likely to succeed without effort if those positive words of God are sown into their heart at a young age. Amen. Amen. Promo for kids camp, uh, <laughs> for their kids ministry around here. It's super smart for parents to get their kids involved in something. It'll set them on a path for future success in life. Amen. It really will. And to rid the other. Nevertheless, we're talking to adults now. And some of us have had positive pictures painted. And some of us have had negative pictures painted. Whatever it is, we've got to get God's word in our hearts to let that be our expectation. This is how the faith fight is going to work. Amen. Amen. You might be familiar with famous words of Jesus. Luke 21, 33. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away away. Listen to uh, TPT. Earth and sky will wear out. That actually makes sense because you know planet heaven is not going to pass away. Right. Heaven, uh, earth and sky will wear out and fade away before one word I speak loses its power or fails to accomplish its purpose. This is why we use it. We use it on ourselves. God's word I'm talking about. We use God's word on ourselves. We, we, we use it uh, against problems. We use it in our prayers. You want to be a good prayer? What do I mean by good? Effective. It works. It changes things. Stuff it full of God's word. Let your prayers, let a, the normal phrase out of your mouth be, Father, you said it in your word. You said it in your word. Jesus said, it is written. If you're communicating that to God, I tell you, your prayers are working. He told us to do that, to bring him in remembrance. It's a, it's a way to not get goofy. How many know sometimes people who pray a lot, they get goofy? Now, I don't mean everyone does. Some do. You find the splitters of churches, they're the prayers. <laughs> what, do I, what do I mean by that? I mean, those that pray outside of this, they spend all their time going off into the heavenlies and they never, they never spend any time in the word. They're always looking for a voice, looking for an experience, think they're hearing from God and they're not because they don't spend any words to know God, what God's voice sounds like. That's why the word is our safety. 
It's how we pray effectively. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12 reads, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform. What? What's that word? My word. What is God ready to perform? His word. He performs his word. If he's going to perform his word, that even adds more credence to the fact that I should have his word in my heart and in my mouth because that's what he's hovering over. He said, I'm going to do what I say. I'm going to do what I say. I'm going to do what I say. And then we get it in our heart and our mouth and we give him opportunity. Say, well, does it really matter? I mean, if he's watching over his, put that up in the Amplified. Look at this same verse. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. Well, if God is going to perform his word, if he's watching over his word to perform it, what does anything I do have to do with that? Is he going to perform the word, period? Or is he going to perform the word if I get it in my heart and mouth? That's a valid question. Can I give you the answer? There are some aspects of his word that he's going to perform independent of us because they're not hinging on us. This is talking about the ultimate plan of God. Uh, There are many things within there, but Jesus coming, you know, his return, that's going to happen. If I say, he's not coming back, he's not coming back, he's not coming back, he's coming back anyway. Right? Nevertheless, his promises that are specific to individuals are hinged upon whether they believe them or not. God will not perform his word in the individual person's life that says, I don't accept it, I don't don't believe it. Or they say, yeah, I give it a wink and a nod and then complain all day long or talk the problem. That's how that works. If it's going to work in us individually, then we've got to own this and agree with him. Again, I always want to answer skeptical thoughts. If that's not true... Why is this stuff even written in here? Why Skip Romans 10. If God's going to do whether, what he's going to do, independent of, of my response to it, then me having his word in my heart and saying it is near me in my heart and my mouth, the word of faith that, what, that we preach, then that's irrelevant. I should just sit back and say, go God. Do what you're going to do. And if nothing good happens, I say, well, that's on you. But it's written in there because our involvement in the process of God's victory flowing through us is essential. We must have his word in our heart and his word in our mouth. Amen. Amen. By the way, just a side note to this. If if what we're doing here today is the only word input into your heart throughout the week, you're not very strong. You're not really strong to fight the fight of faith. This is, you know, there was an old preacher years ago who made some famous statement. It went kind of like this. Most Christians feed their body three hot meals a day and feed their spirit one cold snack a week. Now, I take offense to my message being called a cold snack. So he must not have known us. But (laughs) you get the point. Even if this is more than a cold snack, it's still insufficient for us to remain victorious. Our thoughts will be flooded with what's in the media and what people are talking about, what our body is yelling at us, what our circumstances say, and we have to interrupt that with input. Amen. Read the Word, at least a chapter every day. 
That's start standard foundation for this. Do it at least that much. Listen to other things. We provide everything that we teach for free on the Internet, and, uh, and that's all free. And you can, you can put it in your car and put it in your, you know, your earphones and, and do whatever you need to do to overwhelm your heart with God's Word. Amen. So you're thinking, you're, you know, it's almost like, you know, I teach this when I teach meditation, which is the form of this, but it's almost like karate kid, wax on, wax off. You know, paint the fence, do the house, all that stuff, sand the deck. He did all that until he was annoyed. You know the movie, if you don't, are you even saved? <laughs> but he did, remember, Miyagi did all that to Daniel's son until he was so annoyed and fed up that he's not being taught karate. And so he started throwing his punches. Show me, paint the fence. Yeah, you know, and he's doing this and, and, and then he's, his, ne- his reactions are kind of built in. Muscle memory kind of thing. Show me he's sand the deck, and he's blocking his kicks and blocking his punches, and he's, he learned defense that way. We can train ourselves so where when we get hit, opposition comes without us even thinking. <laughs> it is written. Yes, it is. Right? <laughs> Sorry for my bad form for you uh, martial artists out there. But that's why we keep the, the word in our heart and in our mouth, in our heart and in our mouth, in our heart and in our mouth. Every time we pray, it's in our heart and in our mouth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So don't say, it's hard. It's hard. My situation, my life, it's hard. No, say what God says. Find a word to say, yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Because he, he's watching over his word. Are we watching over our words? That's a good question. He's watching over his. You watching over yours? When we get, you know, loose with the lips, that's when we defeat our own selves. Praise God. Let's go to one more place, then we'll uh, be finished. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And notice with me in the the third verse, chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So not carnal means fleshy. Not a fleshy fight, but it's it's a mighty fight. Verse uh, verse 5, casting down arguments... And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We could say the word of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Again, this is where the war is, where the war is waged. It's a, it's a battle for what we believe. So he says, when you have thoughts that are contrary to Christ, contrary to God's word, he said, what you need to do is cast those thoughts down. Grab a hold of them and say, I'm not going to think that way. Say it out loud. I'm bringing this thought down. I'm taking this thought captive. And and say, I'm replacing that thought with a verse. So I don't know which verse. Then take time to find the verse. We can't read the whole Bible today. (laughs) 
take time. If it's an issue with you, you have a persistent thought that is harmful, it's negative, it's defeating, you cast it down and replace it. And then regularly, whenever that thought comes to you, you put in your mouth the word of God. So I got issues. I need deliverance. You need deliverance from wrong thinking. This verse doesn't say cast out demons. Cast out demons is a real thing. Nevertheless, many times people think they have to have a demon cast out when all they need to do is have a bad thought cast out. Their thinking is wrong. And that thought needs to be pulled down. It'll happen through teaching like we're doing today, by meditating on the word, by speaking the word. But we take captive of thoughts. How do you know I don't have a demon? What may, <laughs> well, I don't. But I'm just telling you this is how the enemy works. And if it, he, doesn't, he, can't just, uh, he can't just get in people. First of all, Christians can't be possessed anyway. They can be oppressed. They can be affected. Their minds can be affected by demons. But how does that happen? It doesn't happen just because he just shows up one day and says, hey, I'm taking you over. I'm going to possess your thoughts. No, it happens through our thinking. When we entertain wrong thoughts or involve ourselves with demonic activity, that's how he gets an entrance. How do we stop that from happening? We cast down his thoughts. We recognize that's not a right thought. I shouldn't live in fear. I shouldn't be afraid of disease. I shouldn't be afraid of bad things happening. I shouldn't be afraid of a car accident. See, a lot of them are fear-based. They're worry-based. But those thoughts, when people entertain them, over time, over time, that's how the enemy gets a stronghold in people's lives. So how, what do I do about that? Well, you can rebuke spirits if you want, but the scripture, this is very clear. Most people, they need to grab hold of the thought. And the thought taken captive, replaced with God's word, gives the enemy no place in their life. Hallelujah. Our culture is built on fear and, and worry and anxiety. Most, uh, many uh, researchers and doctors will tell you that's where most disease comes from. I mean, they're specific to certain types of disease, but they say they all come, it all comes from worry and anxiety and people being afraid. It eats up our internal organs. It causes, it takes years off of people's life. So we're all concerned about what we eat. Now, I'm not saying that's, that's not important at all, but what's killing more people is the negative emotions that they allow to exist. So you're saying I can do something about it. I'm saying you can. I'm saying we got the power of God's word. Don't say you can't. Say, no, the word is near me, in my mouth and in my heart. This word of faith that I, that I preach, I speak that and God manifests. Amen. It's how salvation comes. It's how uh, all the things that we need come. come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know the, there's the old saying that people said when they were kids about sticks and stones. You ever heard that one? Sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you. Not true. Not true. In, the, in our words is life or death. Words are extremely powerful in God's kingdom. And if we learn that, we start to watch over our own words and say, wait a minute, what am I saying here? Is this what I want? Sometimes when you know people really well, I've done this with, with friends that you can joke with. You don't want to be the confession monitor for everyone. But people say something negative, and I'd say, oh, you want me to agree with you on that? <laughs> Remember, Jesus said, if two or three touching anything, 
that they ask, I'll say, well, should we touch on that and agree? It, it's, it's to bring a reality like, uh, no, I don't want that. Okay, then what are you doing talking like that? Thought you were a believer. Amen. Jesus used his words to defeat Satan in the, in the wilderness when he was tempted. Remember, he, complete, he, he repeatedly said to, 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 to the enemy, it is written. It is written. It is written. If we'll, get, if we'll adapt that language, that's how we win. That's how, that's how faith, uh, the faith fight is, is worked, or wrought. It is, that's how, how we accomplish it. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Well, pray with me today. Father, thank you for working in here right now by your spirit. You're a good, good God.